Is disc golf on its way out in today's episode of the Chain Clinkers Disc Golf Podcast? Trenton is back joining us and he is going to be helping us uncover the truth of if disc golf is slowing down and if it is time for the end of disc golf's rise and claim to fame. All that and more on today's episode. Let's get into it right now. Upper Park Disc Golf is not just about carrying your discs, it's about carrying your passion, your determination, and your drive. With their innovative and durable disc golf bags, you'll have everything you need to conquer the course in reach for the skies. Designed with precision and built to last, these bags are crafted to enhance your game. With spacious compartments, comfortable straps, and smart organization, you'll have your discs, snacks, and accessories right where you need them. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, Upper Park Disc Golf has the perfect bag for you. From lightweight slings to full-featured backpacks, their range of styles and sizes ensure that there's a bag that fits your unique needs. And here's the best part. You can use promo code CLINKERS10 to save 10% on your next disc golf bag. Elevate your disc golf experience with Upper Park Disc Golf. Visit their website today at upperparkdiscgolf.com and use promo code CLINKERS10 to discover the perfect bag that will help you conquer the course and soar to new heights. Welcome in everybody to the Chen Clinkers Disc Golf Podcast. As you heard in the intro, Trenton is back on the mic. How are we doing, brother? What up, everybody? I'm doing pretty good. You know, I took down my guy today at the... Uh, Work challenge, work disc golf challenge, or sorry, work frisbee golf challenge. Yeah, so I'm feeling right. good today, and uh, you know it's nice to be on the the chiggity chat with my with my 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 squad here. So we're doing pretty good. How are you doing today, Quentin? I am doing good. Glad that we get to take this conversation that we had in the hallways and put it on the mic. Um, I think you and I both had this have had this conversation multiple times and it finally got to the point where it's like we need to sit down and talk about this to the wider audience to see if we are crazy or to see if other people agree and maybe we need to change some things and how we think uh, about the sport of disc golf so like i said in the intro we are going to be talking about is this the end of disc golf is disc golf slowing down can disc golf continue to grow after its covid bang um, what else do you want to talk about, Trent, before we get into the show? Uh, it's been a minute since you've been on. What What are you up to? I want to say really quick, and then I'll get into what I'm up to. We want to hear what you guys think of of this episode as well. So in the reviews or whatever, or honestly the best way to do it, to get the dialogue rocking, would be Instagram. Shoot us a message. Let us know what you think. If you agree, disagree, jump on the Facebook uh, page chain clinkers disc golf get a discussion going let us know what you think maybe i'll even fire the discussion up once this episode drops to see what uh what our listeners point of views are but yeah that's all i wanted to say on that but overall dude i'm doing good i got my my daughter was born as all you guys know just about a year ago in a month and uh, life got a little crazy about five well right away but four five six months in and then Obviously, I had to step away from making the show with uh, the Clankers, and uh, I'm still around, still talk to Quentin almost every day, and just haven't been able to make 
doing YouTube videos, doing the podcast once a week, just got overwhelming with uh, just kind of life in general, children and wife and work. So I got a new job, I think. I think we might have talked about that. I'm, I'm, Maybe. Well, same company, new job, doing a little bit different thing, which has been great. And uh, yeah, man, just living life. Kids are healthy. Kids are doing great. It's summertime and the discs fly better when it's hot. So can't complain. That is fair. That is very fair. Um, well, okay. Let's just kind of jump into it. So the first thing that I wanted to do in this conversation is I want to make a comparison of disc golf to pickleball. I feel as though those are the two largest, fastest growing sports right now, pickleball and disc golf. And I think pickleball has gone a little bit more mainstream and maybe, you know, we can explore those reasons why, but just for example, some, these two articles I have here, you know, the, the title of this is pickleball slam on ESPN beats out MLB, NHL, NBA, NTV ratings race. This says in this article on Yahoo sports that, uh, ESPN's coverage of the pickleball slam averaged 237,000 adults under 50 tying the Bruins blues game as Sunday's fifth highest rated sporting event. I believe this was in, uh, I guess it doesn't give me a day whenever the title of the article is April 4th. Uh, 2023. So it was at least, you know, earlier this year, I think it might've been in April. Um, but you know, it, it just, it's saying here that it's getting a lot of viewership more than the XFL, more than the NHL, MLB, those kinds of things. And then you, and you look at disc golf and disc golf on ESPN two drew 123,000 viewers. Um, in 2023 so it says here disc golf pro tour special drew 123,000 viewers in a 0.04 rating with adults aged 18 to 49 viewership was more than doubled from the 2021 broadcast which aired opposite of nfl football but down about half from the 2020 broadcast which aired in a favorable primetime slot on tuesday before thanksgiving and where I'm going with this also is that, and, and just for context, this article was released February 8th, 2023. So both, you know, beginning of the year. Where hit, I'm going with this is that, yeah, go ahead. Hit me with the pickleball numbers and then hit me with the disc, disc golf numbers one more time. Pickleball was, let's say, 250,000 and disc golf was 125,000. Okay. That's all I need to say. So... About double-ish, I guess, if the math works out there. And you're seeing a lot of big-name people get into pickleball. LeBron, Serena, Mark Cuban. Like, There's a lot of money being poured into pickleball right now. There's outside sponsorships. I mean, you can turn on Hulu and you get live pickleball on like CBS or, you know, maybe it's pre-programmed stuff. And, and it just seems as though pickleball is winning the battle amongst the masses comparatively to disc golf. And it almost feels as though pickleball had their big bang in 2020 and has only continued to ascend where disc golf wise, I feel as though there might be a little bit of a drop off. Well, we can pause for there. Trenton, what are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you too much. Me stepping away and not being able to be as in the weeds in disc golf has helped me kind of uh, take a seat, 
back and kind of just look at what's happening around me. And I will say, um, obviously my algorithms and social media and everything are still showing me disc golf stuff, but pickleball has definitely kind of been brought up a little bit more amongst like my social groups, work friends, um, et cetera. It just seems like the accessibility and everything about pickleball. I mean, there's a new complex coming in on the South side of Wichita, like in a year or two, that's going to have like 40 courts or something crazy. I think 20 courts. I don't know. Point being, it just seems like it's kind of taken off and based on the numbers, cause I didn't see any of the reports that you're reading, but based on the numbers, it sounds like it's doing the exact same thing kind of on a broad term where disc golf, I feel like got its huge jump when COVID was happening and now it's uh, really slowed down and a bunch of my buddies outside of you and Horatio like that used to always talk about disc golf. We're not chit chatting about that as often. It just, it just seems like it kind of hit its peak and it's just either it's stalled out a little bit or maybe it's even came down, but it's kind of a bummer. And I don't want to, you know, make this episode like, you know, doom and gloom, I guess, but it's just something I I want to think about um, because how do we get disc golf in a position that it's like that? You know, you see a lot of big time sponsors coming to pickleball. Well, maybe the answer is pickleball is super easy. It doesn't take a lot of effort. It doesn't take a lot of walking. It doesn't take a lot of, you know, uh, skill to get into it where disc golf, there's a lot of walking, there's a lot more land needed to put courses in. And I think there's also just a negative stigma around disc golf that just for whatever reason will not go away. We are on TikTok at chain clinkers disc golf. If you're not following us over there, there's about 2,500 of you. Thank you to you folk come over and follow. There's good content going up over there. And the comments I get over there are just absolutely wild and it's like as if people don't even know what disc golf is and that it's dumb and maybe they're just trolls and haters, right? But, like, I can see the side for pickleball where it's just easier to play than it is disc golf. Well, let's also not forget it's a lot easier to broadcast and it's a lot easier to broadcast at the highest possible quality because you need to have three to four stationary cameras on one to two courts and you can yeah. get every ounce of action where disc golf, it's all based on cell phone towers, Wi-Fi, whatever you want to call it. Um, maybe it's Elon Musk's internet. Can't think of what it's called, but maybe it needs Starlink. to be Elon Musk. Maybe it needs to be Starlink and not Verizon or whatever. Point being, it's a lot easier to set up. It's a lot easier to record. Um, it's accessible by everyone, which so is disc golf. But when you have restaurants... I'm going to shout out Chicken and Pickle, which is here in Wichita. Yeah. There's one in Kansas City. There's one in Oklahoma City. It's amazing. Food's great. There's like 10 pickleball courts. Five of them are inside. Five of them are outside. You can rent paddles. You can buy, bring your own paddles, etc. Um, it just seems like it's getting you know a little more love, which is not cool, guys. Not cool. Yeah, and and so I'm just re-looking at the U-Disc uh, Disc Golf Growth Report, which, I mean, the first thing it says is it shows disc golf courses worldwide 2022. An additional 1,500 were put in, so there's now 14,000-ish total, and that has gone up year over year, which makes sense, right? I don't expect 
there to be less disc golf courses. I would be surprised if that number goes down. It also shows this nice graph. It says percentage of population that lives within given distances of disc golf courses. Uh, within two miles, Estonia has 53% of their population within a disc golf course, 95% within 10 miles. Compare that to the U.S., 28% of the U.S. is within two miles of a disc golf course, and 88% is within 10 miles. So it's still pretty accessible to a lot of people. Um, it, it, for me, you know, thinking about disc golf compared to pickle, like, I mean, you, I like pickleball, don't get me wrong, it's fun, but... You just get more of a walk. I feel like you get more of an athletic uh, adventure out of it. It's more exciting than just standing on the court. Um, and, you know, I do think that something disc golf still struggling to get over, and I saw a couple of these comments on Facebook today, actually, is the stigma of disc golf. And one of the issues with that is, you know, Trenton, you have children. You know, if you didn't know anything about disc golf, you never got into it, and there is some summer program to either put your kids in pickleball or put them in disc golf, I would say you would probably lean towards pickleball because you have seen pickleball, you, uh, you know, know what it is, and it's right there. It's not like they're getting lost in the woods or anything like that. And also probably a little bit of the weed and alcoholic stigma comes from disc golf where it's like, oh, that's the hippie sport. Am I wrong? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I just feel as though, unfortunately, that's how a vast majority of Americans who are unknown to disc golf, that's how they feel. No, I think I agree. It's it's kind of uh, one of the first things. If, if they don't say it to you, they, you know, kind of like, oh, you play disc golf, huh? And they give you that side eye, which everyone, maybe not everyone's seen, but I'm sure most of you have seen. And uh, I don't know. It it sucks that it's that way, and I don't know how it's going to get out of that um, stigma, I guess, if it is a stigma. But I don't know how it's going to get out of that unless it's mainstream on ESPN every weekend or something. I think that's what it's going to take, but it's going to yeah. be hard to do. And so just continuing to go through this report by UDISC, it does say that more people are, than ever are playing disc golf. 1.2 million disc golfers use UDISC in 2022. 400 or excuse me 548,000 of them scored at least one round 19 million rounds were scored 56% of UDISC players scored at least one round a month now that last statistic to me is I mean I would not have included that statistic that is not a good statistic you're telling me that only 50% of the 1.2 million disc golfers on UDISC scored one round a month now, that could either be a disc golf at large problem or a U-disc problem. You and I, we play a lot of rounds together that we don't score on U-disc. I guarantee a lot of new players who don't know about U-disc don't score on U-disc, right? So that number probably is a lot higher, you know, especially when it says that uh, 1.2 million disc golfers use U-disc. I would say there's at least probably another 1.2 million users who don't know what U-Disc is, or they don't yep. use U-Disc, or they don't want to pay for U-Disc, so they're not on there. I would, I would feel pretty that. confident that that's a thing. Um, I know I don't score around every single time I go out and play. Now, granted, lately for me, because I've gotten my boss into disc golf, and he's new, and he wants to track his scores, that way he can see himself getting better. Uh, yeah, I've been a lot more on that, but I, I don't know. Like, How often are you scoring rounds on U-Disc? I think every time I play, except for maybe 
I would say nine out of ten times I play, I'm I'm scoring it because okay. one, I pay for it, and two, I kind of like to keep track of how I'm doing. Plus, I'm not like the best at mentally keeping exact track in my head of of uh, mm-hmm. what's been happening. I kind of think about other things, which is a good thing and a bad thing, and then I forget what I got four holes ago. So. Gotcha. I mean, you know, it says average U-disc rounds per player. 2018, for example, 20 rounds a year is what I'm getting from this report. It actually doesn't do a great job. Like, is that a month? I'll, I'll literally read you what it says. It says, while the total number of people playing U-disc, using U-disc to find courses and keep scores up, the average number of rounds scored per person dropped slightly. An expected development as some people return to the office or other activities. Enter, enter, yes, but we're still seeing rates well above pre-pandemic levels. 19 million rounds is a heck of a lot of disc golf rounds being played. And then it says average U-disc rounds per player, 2018 is 20, and then 2020 is 26, 2021 is 29, 2022 is 27. To me, does that mean they're only doing 27 rounds a year? Is that how you would read that graph? That's how I'm reading that, and I don't think that kind of that kind of speaks for it in my mind. It's like so it was at twenty, jumped up right to twenty six, went to mm-hmm. twenty nine, and then it came back down. So it's it's almost seems like it's plateaued. The average disc golfer, at least through the U disc stats, in my opinion, it sounds like has stopped playing as often. Yes, so um, I agree with you. It's, it's slowed down. I think I think we are getting a slowdown. I think that 2021, 2022 was the peak, and we are heading for a slowdown. And I think this is the point. We've talked about it on this podcast before. This is the point that we find out what is the new norm in disc golf. Is the new norm maybe when the 2023 report comes out, maybe that number it comes in at a 27 again or it comes in at 28, or it comes in at 26. I'd be like, okay, we've, we're probably finding our new norm. That's okay. But if it comes in at like a 24 or a 22 or 20, then it's like, oh, we are actually falling back to what we were before the pandemic. We are losing all that growth. Because I think we all expect we're going to lose some people to other life events. Having children, getting back into the office, moving places. You know what I'm saying? Like right. There are external factors that might not allow you to play disc golf as much as you could during the pandemic. And maybe you just want to do other things. Maybe you want to go play pickleball. So the, the later on in it, it also gives this fun tidbit that they, that, you know, keep in your back pocket or whatever. It says disc golf courses, there are 16,000 in the U S tennis facilities, 14.6 K pickleball facilities, 10.7 K. Oh, excuse me. I read this wrong. Golf courses, ball golf courses is 16 K Tennis facilities, 14.6K. Pickleball, 10.7K. Disc golf courses, 9.4K. So there's about 1,300 more pickleball facilities than disc golf courses. And it does say in here, keep in mind, golf and tennis both include private facilities that often involve membership fees. Meanwhile, 90% of disc golf courses are free to play. I would say pickleball is also going on you know, free to play. Most of them right. are, are free right. to play. Um, later on in the article, it says that nine whole courses are being installed more than 18 whole courses, almost double the amount, um, which is pretty interesting. 
um, universities and schools and more people are getting into it internationally. It's getting bigger, which is cool. Um, and that is kind of the end of the article. It just says like Latin America is a hot spot for disc golf. Um, like Guatemala is up 306%, Mexico 81%, Colombia 97%, Belize 92%. But I mean, no offense when you're going from zero to a hundred. Yeah. You're going to be up a lot, a lot of percent. When you yeah. go from nothingness to something, you're going to be up. It's it's very easy when you have zero courses and you give one course, you are up 100%. So, I mean, you know, do with that what you will. I think that might be a little bit misleading as, you know, we're both kind of numbers guys. Uh, to me, that might be a little bit misleading. It says 90% of players introduced someone to the sport in 2022. I know I did that in 2023 for sure. Um, yeah, it just goes on to say some other jazz about how yep. disc golf is good. But I don't know. I let's let's combine this with the discussion of, you know, what you were talking about, the Drew Gibson tweet, and I'll also talk about the Jomez um mm. thing here also before we get into the latter half of the episode. So Jomez was acquired by the Disc Golf Pro Tour. To me, it seems as though they <sighs> They got in a position to where I think a little bit of slowdown in viewership may be taking on too much. And from what I heard, I, I don't know if this is 100% true or not, they defaulted on payments that were supposed to be made to the Disc Golf Pro Tour. So the easiest solution then was to just merge and combine. This tells some very interesting things to me. I think we're starting to move to a world in which post-produced is not king. Um, I know I don't have time to watch post-produced. You probably don't have time to watch post-produced. If I'm not watching it live in the moment, then it's going to be spoiled on Instagram, which is fine. That's how live sports work. You can get on Udisc Live to see where everyone is right now. Like There are no other sports in the world where we have to wait a day to get post-produced, and that's like the number one source of taking the content and information in. And so I think that is going to continue to go away. I think it's good that they brought on the women's cards, but also it makes it hard to get through all of the content by the time the next day's rounds go on. So if you fall behind, it's almost kind of hard to catch back up and watch all of that. It's nice to have it if you're not able to watch the live. I just think we're moving more to a world in which it will be live only, and it's not like you can rewatch the Royals games you know, from two days ago. You're not going to find that on TV. I feel like it's going to get to a point in five years where you're not going to see X disc golf tournament two weeks ago on YouTube anymore. It's you either saw it live or you missed out or maybe the post-produce comes out a month later. I don't know. That's kind of my hot take for all that. Or you catch a little highlight here and there, but I think I agree. I mean, I will say they do rerun football, baseball games when there's nothing happening like random times throughout the year, but... Generally, uh, I don't know. I guess I've seen the Royals game a day, the next day, but for the most part, it seems like they don't really replay it. So I agree with that. And uh, I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of interesting. Um, we were kind of talking about it. Maybe maybe they saw the peak and they're like, okay, things are kind of things are kind of slowing down. Let's let's sell while we're ahead. Type of situation. Um, you know. I, you can kind of spin it however you want. Do you, 
uh, Disc Golf Pro Tour bought it, right? Bought Jomez. Um, Disc Golf Pro Tour buying Jomez is ultimately probably what direction Disc Golf needs to go to get more mainstream. Like the main body needs to own the media and the video production and the live feed and all of that. But at the same time, Jomez might have hit at, I mean, sold at the correct moment, get the most amount of money you can for it and, you know, move on. But I don't know. Well, time will tell on that situation, but we'll kind of see what happens. Do you have think, the, um, that tweet from so, Drew Gibson? Yeah. Up? So switch it up a little bit. We're going to talk payouts here. Um, I found a tweet from Drew May 1st of this year, May 21st of this year. Um, this isn't the one exactly I was talking about, but it sums it up pretty good. He says he's just talking payouts here. So we're going to jump into payouts a little bit. So Beaver State Flint, yes, it's not an elite series event, but point being, it's still on the a big name still play it. Okay. Beaver State Fling factual stats. 2013 first place won $3,600 with 79 players. And in 2023 first place won $3,000 with 112 players. That's a $600 loss with 30, 33 more players 10 years later, not in counting inflation, not counting inflation. Gosh, I can't read. He says, don't be mad at me here. I'm just stating the facts. All this is findable. And then he goes, 2013, 2013 ninth place won a thousand bucks, and 2023 ninth place won nine hundred fifty dollars. So that's actually going the wrong way with 33 more players. The reason this is being brought up is because it seems like the payouts, even though they are better, so to speak, um, there's more people playing, so the ratios aren't the same. Um, there's been a lot of talk. We've had people on that are you know we're trying to get sponsors for the pro tour, and you know, we got to keep legitimizing the sport with sponsors is a big way to do it. And uh, it just seems like the payouts are not as great as they potentially could be, especially with kind of what's been going on. I mean, it seems like if you have more players playing in the tournament, first place should make more money and not just 600 bucks more 10 years later. So just an interesting uh, st- uh, tweet from Drew Gibson. And I was curious on, um your thoughts on that i mean we talked about it a little bit but let's hash it out here yeah to me wow i am reading this market watch article also while you're talking about disc golf and they want me to purchase this report for thirty three hundred dollars i will not be doing that to get more detail that is not gonna happen but um yeah I don't think the way payouts are right now is good. And I think that we need to fix how payouts work. I When I say that, I, I say that we need to pay the top guys and gals a lot more than we are paying the bottom. I would be very comfortable with paying 10 to 15% less people and then distributing that money higher up the board, make it more worthwhile to play well at these events. And then it comes back to the question of, well, if these bottom feeders aren't getting any cash, then how are they going to survive? Well, I mean, play better or, you know, like I understand that that's tough, but play better if you want to cash. I mean, in ball golf, if you don't make the cut, you don't get paid. 
Granted, if you make one cut, maybe that pays for your entire year. Hundred and fifty thousand bucks. Yeah, that could be true. So but that's one of those things where it has to there has to be more money coming into disc golf and I don't know why big sponsors aren't coming into disc golf. I don't know why a Nike's not coming into disc golf. I don't know why ESPN is not fully invested. I don't know why big time celebrities aren't crawling to get in, you know, like they are with what we talked about earlier with pickleball. They are doing those things. Those things are happening. And sure, you can say like Arby's came into disc golf, but they got out pretty quick. Barbasol or Guaranteed Rate or Johnsonville. Like, yes, they were all in. That was just for a couple of tournaments. Are they still kind of all in? Like, you know, I feel like the ads on the Disc Golf Pro Tour are a lot more like smaller companies that are maybe this tournament they're going to sponsor a couple holes and a commercial and you won't see them for two or three tournaments. Like, you know, you, you see a lot of, you know, OTB foundation disc mania, you, you know, you see a lot of, you know, dynamic trilogy West side, like a lot of the sponsor flags and stuff are just manufacturers. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but that also means we're not getting outside sponsors in the sport, which will never right. allow for payouts to get to a point where it is a sustainable lifestyle for a lot of disc golfers. You know, there are disc golfers out there who have sponsorships who simply don't get a guaranteed base. They make all their money based off tournament winnings and disc sales. That is a very terrifying way to live. And we have to get those outside sponsors in order to change how disc golfers live, which allow us to make a world in which, you know, you don't make the cut. You don't get paid. Yeah. And like, just to go back to the uh, sponsorship things, I, I, I don't know. I didn't research. I'm, Maybe someone can fill us in, but like when these people pay, I don't know, 200, 300, 500,000 bucks for the most popular whole, whole one, whatever. When these, when these sponsors pay for a whole sponsorship, is that money going to the overall purse or is that money just kind of filtered into the tournament fund and, you know, the, the TD gets a little bit, the staff gets a little bit, you know, whatever. I feel like the TDs and staff don't get anything. Which is a problem. On the Elite Series? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I have no idea. Point being, like, it's just... Uh, I don't know. I, I, ideally, right, you would want to have um, money coming into the event, tickets, you know, whatever. Um, you obviously have to pay everybody running it because not everyone... No one wants to work for free completely. Like, you can volunteer a little bit, but if you're going to spend three weeks getting ready for it, you're going to be there a whole week when it's happening and you got a real job on the side. You got to, you still have to get paid. So there is that. But like my point of view is if someone's going to sponsor a hole or multiple holes, that money should go to the payout for the pros. And that might be what happens already, but I think that's fair. And I think it should be worth, like you said, to rate, it should be worth it for the pros to win. Um, I'm not talking win like six, seven, you know, $10,000. Like I know there's a lot of tournaments and we're not even close to that, but if we want to legitimize money is kind of what is going to legitimize the sport. Unfortunately, at least at the pro level, um, in my opinion, it's kind of where it seems to be with everything, but if there's not money to be made, I get why it's hard to raise money, but, um, I don't know that money should like the people who win the big, the elite series tournaments should at least make 15 to $20,000 like at minimum. 
in my opinion. And I don't know. They might make that, but... Like, Kristen Tatar has a huge contract, um, but she wins seven out of the last nine events or something that she's played this year. Yeah, something like right? that. Like, the Elite Series wins. Like, she should have, like, you know, $150,000, $200,000 in winnings, and she's... I can look it up, probably, but... Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at Pickleball, so, and it's saying, you know, like, first in the men's, women's mixed division... Is like 10k, so it's 10k an event. So I mean, I don't know. Like, she's won thirty two thousand dollars this year. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I know there's not that much money in the sport, but that's uh, we're halfway through the year. She's but on. But what pace. can they do to get more money in the sport? What needs to change? Uh, I don't know. It has to be appealing to. You know, the the ESPNs of the world. I hate to say it, but the idea to me is the the consumers, you and I, we have to buy more. But like coming out of 2020, we bought a lot of discs. We bought a lot of bags. We bought a lot of training tools, baskets, blah, blah, blah. Okay, if I bought a basket, I don't need to replace that basket for a decade. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. And if I do, I can probably find one on Facebook Marketplace for like 50 bucks if I'm really looking hard right discs you and i i can look over and i can see how many discs are on the wall and how many i am trying to sell because i have too many discs yeah they're right, right next to me yep you, you know what i'm saying so there's this loop of new players you've seen my boss is in this loop right now of they get into the sport they get super hooked and they just buy things they buy plastic they buy bags they buy 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 and then all of a sudden you have a ton of product and you're like I literally throw five discs. Yep. Now what do I do? Now I'm not buying plastic. Now I'm not buying bags. Now I'm not buying baskets, training products, whatever it is. Like, you know, your iPhone, you have to buy a new iPhone every five years if you're lucky because they low-key make it break. They make it stop working. They do whatever to it, right? <laughs> or high-key. But, yeah. But if you buy a training product, like I'm going to use a disc dot, for example... That's not going to break in 10 years. It's still working. Ever. You know what I'm saying? Like, this piece of plastic is not just going to disintegrate and stop flying in five years. There's a reason why people are still throwing discs that are 20, 30, 40 years old. Sure, the technology changes, but, like, we can still throw the discs in our bag as long as we don't lose them. When, when are you going to replace them? What are you replacing in your back? Because I think a problem that is coming to disc golf is how do we make new discs? How do we make original discs? How do we make things that aren't just, uh, uh, like, let's take an example here, like the Lozadal. The Lozadal is hmm. just a hex with Simon's name on it. Let's be yep. honest. It, it's a glow disc with Simon's name on it, and it went crazy. Okay, so we have tour series every year which is just the base disc with their name and stamp on it. So if the stamp's not cool, I'm I, not buying it. Don't they spin it to where it's supposed to be like a little, it's tooled a little bit differently sometimes? Isn't probably, yes, slightly. It's probably um, not, though. It's probably not, let's be honest. Probably more overstable if I had to guess. I would doubt it's tooled any differently. Those The, the Saki Bomb Slammer is tooled differently. Yeah. But the Saki Bomb Felon is just a felon with his logo on it. 
And maybe for them at their level, their arm speeds, their game, it is slightly different. But for the majority of disc golfers who are 950 rated and lower, it's going to fly the exact same. It's still overstable. It's still too fast for your arm speed. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, okay, how do we make original things that people need to buy? How do we make discs that are new to the market? Like... The Athena. I like the Athena, but the Athena is just an explorer. Okay, it's it's Discraft's version of the T-Bird 3, right? The Zeus, Raider, DD3, Destroyer, they're all the same disc with a different name on it. And here's the kicker. There's like three companies now who make discs. King of Discs or House <laughs> of Discs or whatever, who owns, who Trilogy. owns Trilogy, Castaplas, and more. Innova makes all of Infinite, and MVP makes them, and so MVP makes MVP, Axiom, Streamline, uh, like, Discmania is Thought now space. independent, Thought Space, right? So, like, a lot of these different brands are the same disc with a different stamp on it, right? Like, I mean, I'm not, maybe I'm crazy, and I'm not trying to paint a negative picture about anything. I like buying new plastic just as much as the next guy. I want you guys to buy the plastic you want, try new discs, all of those things. But this is just a very real conversation that I don't know if disc golf is having. How do you how do you innovate? How does disc golf innovate? Literally at our jobs, if you're not innovating, you're going to fall behind. And once you fall behind, it's over. Mm-hmm. How does disc golf innovate? I mean, that company tried to innovate with the like beveled uh rim underneath i don't remember what it was called i never threw one that's my phone number whoops but uh they tried like that was that was a creative idea but it's it didn't stick no one used throws them that that i've seen um yeah that's a great question man somehow and i'm sure disc golf pro tours you know pounding their forehead every over and over again trying to think like what can we do to get bigger sponsors more people into it continue to grow and not stall out like we seem to have, in my opinion, so far, you know. Um, but I think it has to be, you need, you almost need like a polarizing player. Like, uh, let's say, like golf, golf had Tiger Woods, right? So golf blew the F up when Tiger Woods was a thing and was crushing everybody. And then basketball was always popular, but then Michael Jordan showed up and got all, every single person, every child, everyone into it. Um, who's football? Like right now, Patrick Mahomes is probably helping the growth of football tremendously because he's doing things that no one's ever done. Just, uh, yes, we're Chiefs fans, but he's also like a once in a life, once in a, once in a, yeah, get those negative talent, comments right? out of here. Get out. Like, but, like, the point being, disc golf needs someone that's, like, over the moon. Just Paul? Amazing. Simon? He might have. They might have been there, but they they don't dominate. Too they, late. They Is it too late? It's Maybe. too late for them. Paul's washed. Oh, Let's get that two. started. Paul right. is absolutely hot, washed. Hot She's done. Hot take. Paul's done. Um, It's a good thing he got that world championship because I don't see another way. It's like LeBron. It's like we all knew LeBron was washed when he won that ring in 2020 and i kind of feel as though we saw paul get washed he's done nothing of value on the pro tour i don't even think he's sniffed a podium yet um simon he just shot like a 980 rated 
tournament yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Simon is still good, but like if Paul and Simon were as popular as they were and playing as well like now compared to like five, six, seven, eight years ago, that would be pretty big. That's why when we look at today, it's like, you know, Gannon Burr, Eagle, if he can continue to stay healthy, Calvin, like some of these guys are really good, but do they have the social media? The, do they have the swag to pull like Paul and Simon do? Right. Like Calvin is amazing and he's funny and he like when they get him in front of the mic, he says hilarious things and all that good stuff. But I don't know if he's the the guy that's going to just draw everybody in to want to play. There's just yeah. got to be someone that makes everyone want to play. And honestly, it starts with like, you know, younger folks being interested in who's playing in the best in the world and, you know, wanting to play, like wanting their parents to be like, take me out to play disc golf, you know, whatever. That's, yeah. that's where, that's where it all begins. Cause if you think about it, like baseball, basketball, football, like all the, uh, I feel weird. Cause I'm talking about kids, but all the kids are into it. Right. Yeah. And they're talking their parents into taking me to a game. I want to watch this. I want to do that. They have the most free time to do all these extra things. And honestly, disc golf isn't as popular. You don't like. I didn't learn about it until college, at best. Like at a, a uh, it's not a thing you talk about in high school. Like no. Ricky I'm... and those guys have things that are trying or have programs. They're trying to get it into like the younger generations. But that's what's going to get the sport to just blow up is people that are younger getting into it and playing it and being obsessed with it. Not until twenty-year-old old guy. Until disc golf gets to a point to where it's mainstream enough to play as a high school sport, middle school sport, like, you know, you can sign up for tennis, you can sign up for baseball, basketball, football, all those things in middle school and high school. Until that happens for disc golf, I think it's going to be pretty tough because kids are always going to see the opportunity. Well, I want to go to the NFL. I want to go to the MLB. I want to go to the NBA. I blah, 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 where you don't really have that with disc golf i mean sure gannon is showing that you can be young and really good and you can make it on the disc golf pro tour but that needs to be at a wider scale of kids just wanting to play disc golf which i think is key uh to its overall success and growth and all that i think we've beat a dead horse at this point and like like we said driving everybody nuts like we said at the top of the episode this is not a f disc golf we're done hate it this is a challenge process. We are challenging the status quo of disc golf. If someone doesn't do it, we are going to fall behind. And I feel as though it's okay to take a step back and look at something you like with a little bit of critical thinking skills and a little bit of, you know, hey, let's play devil's advocate here. Is disc golf dying? How can we make sure that that doesn't happen? Because if we don't exactly. have those conversations, it's going to die before our eyes. Y'all ever watch Star Wars? None of them ever thought that a Sith was in charge until it was too dang late. All right? So what happens when we're all just chilling? We're like, ah, there ain't no Sith. We're just killing all these droids or whatever, man. Like, it's cool. And then all of a sudden you get wrecked. Okay? You let the clones come in. Order 66 and all that. We don't want to get 86 out here. So we have to have these difficult conversations, which is going to lead us to this next one. And this is a hot take. If you're an amateur disc golfer, tournaments kind of suck. Let's be honest. Amen to that. Tournaments kind of suck. And I'm not calling out nobody. But I remember when I first started signing up for tournaments, it was 25 
30 bucks, 35 after the $10 fee if you weren't a PDGA member. And then you would get like two discs, a towel, a hat, or shirt. Maybe that's a little bit overboard, right? But you would actually get something. And lately, I feel as though, you know, you get like one disc from people local, I've heard. In the local area. Well, I, this is also, overall? I'm talking overall. This is other people I've heard that I've chatted with on Instagram. Because I'm not, I'm not saying it's just our local area. I've you know, talked to other people about this before that, okay, you get one disc. Awesome. So I just spent 35, 40 bucks for one disc. And I now have to cash if I want to get more discs. And I'm in a position to where I'm good enough to cash, but I don't need any discs because I'm still just going to throw the same five discs I do every time. Like, do we see the cycle we're getting into? Maybe you like competing, and that's awesome. But, man, it is in these tough times, it is hard to go out there and spend 40 bucks to compete against some other people for pride or competition or whatever. You can do that at a league night. League nights are $5, 6 with the ace. And you can play. And here's where I'm setting this up. To get a PDGA membership, it's like 50 bucks, right? That means yep. you have to play at least six tournaments to get a deal on not having to pay the $10 extra fee. Okay, so you have to play six tournaments. Let's say they're $40 a pop. So that's six times four, which is 24. So that's 240. So that's $290 you just spent to play six tournaments this year. For that same amount, I'm going to, I actually don't know what that math is. So I said 200, 290 divided by six, you could play 48 league nights. That's every week of the year, except for you could play four of them. every week of the year, except for January. Four. <laughs> right you can play two when maybe league, when league isn't happening yeah maybe you don't play <laughs> november through february okay you can play two league nights a week if you want and oh, you get shoot. that competition every single week where from march until october how many months is that march april may three tournaments june july august three tournaments okay so you've done six tournaments you know out of eight months that's about once every month okay you can play longer by playing league nights than you can tournaments. Let's let's not forget the cash in cash out leagues that aren't sanctioned or anything. They're just a bunch of good old boys out there having fun. Good old gals and guys, I should say. And then if there is like leagues that are ran by your local shop or whatever, you get store credit. Your your five bucks is worth if you cash at league night for five dollars, you're getting, you know, twelve dollars in store credit. That's a disc. That's worth your money. So you spend thirty dollars to play a thirty forty dollars to play a tournament, and you you get last cash, which is enough for one disc. You're maybe. losing money. You're losing yeah. money still. Or maybe you can get a pin from the you know ducks flying discs around here, whatever your local shop's called, infinite disc, whatever it is. You get a little pin to put on your bag for five bucks because you won six dollars in in uh, payout. Yes. Like and and so that's one of those things where you know maybe even at the amateur level you kind of fix the payout, but it's like the Players packs are not worth what you're playing. Like I played a, a B tier last year and I think the players pack was one disc and it was like 50, 60 bucks to sign up. So I spent 50, 60 bucks for a $20 disc that I'm never going to throw. 
because it's not something it's I wanted. It's a Ballista Pro. It's a Ballista Pro, right? I can't <laughs> throw that. And now I have to cash if I want to break even on this. Sure, you get rated rounds. We all know that ratings are broken. And it's just an e- honestly, it's an ego thing where you're like, oh, well, I'm 920 rated, so I'm a better disc golfer than you. That is not true. There are so many different things that go into uh, if disc golfers are good or bad, better than whomever. All it takes well, is one guy to get hot, you know. And on this ratings point, it's kind of funny, too, because it's obviously broken if there has to be a website or whatever. I don't even know what it's called, and I'm not going to look it up. But there's a legitimate website where you can take what your rating is in whatever state that you're in and compare it to people's ratings in, say, Florida or Missouri or whatever, New York. And, you know, technically you're better because your ratings, the players in your area are actually better than the players in that person's area. So you might only be a 900-rated player in Kansas, but if you were to go to California, you would be a 950-rated player. Like... Obviously, there's a problem if that's the case, and it varies that much by region or state, in my opinion. This is not the opinion of Chain Clinkers. This is the opinion of one guy named Trenton. So, I don't know. I mean, I am saying that I agree with you. Like, uh, Horatio... (laughs) Sure. Horatio said that... uh, Man, I'm trying to find that site. It's hard to find. Uh, Trenton said when he or not Trenton Horatio said when he went to X state I'm not going to put this state on blast but they had a lot of courses that here in Kansas would have been par threes and they're par fours there and so yeah okay you got a three I got a three also we did the exact same but you get a birdie and I get a par and your rating is better because you get a a birdie like you know what i'm saying so it is one of those things where the ratings are broke all you're getting is one to two discs maybe you're getting a hat that you're never gonna wear or a shirt you're never gonna wear maybe it's cool and you do and i and i understand that it's hard on tournament directors to put together you know i don't i want that to make that very clear i understand it is economically hard for tournament directors to put on good players packs i'm just saying from an amateur standpoint is it worth you spending $60 $60 to get one disc and the pro makes 250 bucks that week. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. out of a typical tournament, to let's say let 20 out of 80 person tournament, 20 of them are, are MP FPO and the other 60 are AMs. And if the pro division is bad, your rating is going to be bad. If you and a pro shoot the same rating, your rating is going to be bad than if they would have shot five strokes better. Then your rating would have been significantly higher. And it's just one of those things to me. Times are tough right now. It is hard for me to get around and be like, yeah, I'm going to drop 300. I'm committing $300 to disc golf tournaments when I can take that same $300 and I can play league all year long. And like you said, cash in, cash out. I can make money every week if I, if I play well enough. Yeah, worst case scenario, you get your five bucks back, and you you're out a dollar because you pay for ace pots, which are a whole another thing that Quentin hates. But um, ace pots are fine. I mean, it, oh, you don't hate them. Throwing, My bad. That was somebody else. You're throwing a dollar if you're doing it at league night. You're yes, you're spending more dollars, but you're giving yourself a higher opportunity to hit the ace. Yeah, because then you nail the ace on if you play in fifty league nights with 
the math that you just threw out there, I would say one of those you're bound to hit the ace, and generally an ace pot is at least a hundred bucks. According it to my math, that often. if you play forty eight league nights, you have eight hundred and seventy holes of disc golf. And you're hitting an ace in one of those eight hundred and seventy holes. I would put money on it. You would hope. If you're playing a course where aces are attainable and you're somebody who can get Which, there. Right. Maybe you don't. You know? Aces you might are not, hard. You might not. The the odds are pretty good though. But if you're opinion. not getting it in a league night, you're probably not getting it in a tournament. Exactly. And so you have a higher chance because, like, that's 870 holes worth of getting an ace. You play six tournaments a year times 18. That's 108 chances. So you have – let's divide that. Uh, no. Um, no more math. Uh, you have so many more chances to get the ace on the league night than you do at the tournament you play more disc golf. You play frequently more. You put yourself in more competitive landscapes that uh, will learn to make you play better under pressure. And maybe you're just going there to have a good time. Maybe you're going there to meet more people. I don't know about you, but the vibes at league night are so much better than the vibes at tournaments. The vibes at tournaments, everyone, including myself, is pissy and trying to win and they're stressed out, blah, blah, blah. Where at League Night, we're just chopping it up. We're just having fun. And, yep. I'm, and there is still pressure. There is still competitiveness, blah, blah, blah. I just think that for a certain group of people, it just doesn't make sense to play tournaments. Yeah, I mean, we've beat a dead horse here, but I think I agree. Let us know. I mean, I mean like we said, this is a hot topic episode. This is, I want to hear Yay. comments. I want you to comment and tell me I'm an idiot. Tell but us you we're better idiots. Explain, you better explain why we're idiots. And you better have some points also because I would love to have this conversation more. I think challenging the process and not just agreeing that the status quo is good and having group think, you know, all those things are bad. Let's challenge the process. Let's critically think about a thing or two. And let's get disc golf in a better place. Let's get it to where tournaments are worth it. We didn't even talk about how the $10 extra fee is freaking ridiculous. And my yeah, math also was all based, on, all based on C tiers. Okay, Once we get into B and A tiers, they cost even more. And so <laughs> I, we're, we can save that for a different time. But, uh, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. I feel like I yelled if, into the mic for an if, hour. If you have a great... Great hot, like a great point of view and a great take on this. And you hit us up and I guess I'm talking for Quentin here because I don't get on the podcast every week anymore, but uh, it'd be sweet to have an awesome conversation about someone who has really good and a really good take on all of this. So let us know. Make Not sure you get what I'm getting out of here is get on there and let us know what you think. And let's let's have a real discussion about it. Not to get copyright struck or whatever from, you know, them boys at Foundation, but, like, let's have a debate night, right? I want to, like, if you feel strongly the other way, let's hop on here and let's chop it up. And let's have an educational discussion and let's get somewhere. Other than instead of everyone just agreeing the status quo is fine and groupthink is good and all that. Like, let's challenge the future. Let's innovate. Let's make disc golf a better space. That's all I got. If you guys Agreed. want to hear last week's ELE. episode, what did you say? Everybody love everybody, ELE, and uh, this oh, stuff nice. is great. It's going to take over 
ping pong of the tall, big variety soon enough. That's a funny way of putting it. Um, but if you want another good episode, go check out last week. We talked to Jared Christ. He explains how he went on a disc golf tour himself for four months, how that went, why he did it in the first place, why he had to stop, what his life living out of a van looked like. So if you're interested in those things, go check it out. Hit that subscribe button if you enjoyed us challenging the status quo. We will see you guys next week. 